Welcome to the Permission to Be You podcast, a podcast that is intended to inspire, nudge, and push you to give yourself permission to be yourself. In today's episode, I speak with Yarika and Craden Bales. I'm not going to say anything else about this episode. I'll let it speak for itself. Enjoy. Today, my guest is someone, is a very young, sweet boy who I saw on video on Facebook. And when I saw him, I was mad. I was, it was really painful for me to watch him and his mother say what he was saying. I don't even want to repeat it right now. I just, it was too painful then. It, it touched me so much that I decided to go live. And this was, I think, February. Mm. I'm not sure. February, yeah, of this year. Quaden, my guests today are Quaden Bales and his mother, Yarika Bales. They stumbled upon my video, my YouTube video. They reached out, they said thank you, and then I invited them to be my guests, and they said yes. And I'm really honored. It's my birthday today. And this is the gift I'm giving myself. A conversation with these two beautiful people. So welcome, Quaden. Welcome, Yarika. And thank you for accepting my invitation. It's an absolute pleasure and happy birthday. It's great to be able to have a yarn. And yeah, especially on a special day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you start? I don't know with who to start with. Can you... Quaden, can you tell me a, a bit about yourself, what you like doing, what your hobbies are? Um, I like sports, mm-hmm. eating. I love He's eating right now. I love <laughs> Food is life, yes. And what else do you love? Games. Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I said... Okay. And how old are you? Nine. You're nine? Yes. Okay. And now I'm going to ask a question that... Do you like school? No. No. I hated it too. Because... I, the, their style of teaching wasn't quite... Um, wasn't wasn't my style but anyway this is not about me Quaden, can you tell me why you don't like school because of the bullies because the bullies hmm. are they still bullying you yes hmm. okay Yarika, can you i'm going to try and swing this between the two of you okay I, I, I want to include Quaden. Yes. Can you tell me where you're from in Australia? Sorry, I didn't ask you, Quaden. Where are you from? Where are you both from? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And just tell me a bit about your life in the sense that what do you enjoy doing? What are you passionate about? And Tell me about this t-shirt, Team Quaden. 
Sure. So um, in our language, we usually um, introduce ourselves and acknowledge where we are. So I'll say, Wadamuli, Anyiganiyantan, Amuampa, Yaraka Yobanango. And in English, that is, hello everyone, my name is Yaraka Yobanango. And we acknowledge the Yagara people. So we're in Brisbane at the moment. The local traditional owner groups or the tribes in Brisbane are the Yagara and Turrbal people. And I acknowledge my mum's tribes, the Wanarua and Bundjalung nations of New South Wales, um, just north of Sydney here in Australia. And my dad's tribes are the Birigaba and Gungaloo people of central Queensland up north um, on the south coast or east coast of Australia is where my parents are from. So as Aboriginal people, we always introduce ourselves by acknowledging whose land we're on. We pay our respects to all sovereign people and we acknowledge our parents' um, lineage. So that's following proper protocol on how a lot of Aboriginal Australian people um, introduce themselves and acknowledge who they are and where they're from. Mm. I have absolutely no knowledge of, of tribes, it's fascinating to me and I'd, I'd love to hear more, but I'm not sure if it will help the cause in the sense it will not help, it will put me off course, off subject. But at one point I saw a post of yours on Facebook which said that we have, you have enough discrimination as, a, as Aborigines, this added to it makes uh, life a little bit more difficult. Can you tell me more about that? Definitely. So um, I recall saying something along the lines of being an Aboriginal person with a disability is like a double-edged sword because in Australia, as Indigenous people, we only make up three, around 3% 3 of the population in our own country where we weren't even considered citizens in, up until 1967. So um, I guess the Indigenous Australian population that we belong to are a minority. So if you put in the mix of that, having a disability and being Aboriginal, it's like you're a minority of a minority. So what I'm seeing a lot of is the discrimination and the racism and then also being discriminated against or targeted because you're born different. And that's when I made that comment, raising an Aboriginal child with a disability is like a double-edged sword because there are so many obstacles and I think with sharing our story, it has uncovered so many different topics from Indigenous youth suicide to not just bullying um, or anti-bullying programs, but it's, it's actually given a huge insight into the life of a child with a disability and what it is like, because a lot of the times families suffer in silence. Um, so we've received a huge amount of support just thanking us for shedding light on a very sensitive situation that a lot of people are either too scared to talk about or it's too late because the children have taken their lives due to bullying or discrimination or racism and as Indigenous Australians my son is in the highest demographic so our young Indigenous boys here have the highest suicide rates in the world per capita which is really alarming and that's why we continue to share our story to raise awareness and let people know these are the statistics that are affecting us every single day. And this is why we will not stop until our work is done, which um, I guess will never be done. Because if you understand bullying, it's been around for generations and it is getting worse because you've got different types of bullying. Um, you know, cyberbullying is what is still rife at the moment. It's really difficult to shelter my children 
and my family from the attacks, most of the online attacks and the death threats. So it's been really difficult mean, to deal with that aspect. Can I slow you down a little bit? You mean your sure. son, Graydon, you get cyberbullied because you're indigenous and because he's, he's a special kid? That too? Are you serious? Yeah. You have other children. Yes, so I'm a single mother of three. My twin daughters are turning 21 and I've got a granddaughter who's turning one in a couple of months. So it's oh. the five of us. Oh, wow. So you said something that really struck me before. You said that the, the highest suicide rate per capita in Australia is because you're Indigenous. So children commit suicide because they're Indigenous, because they get bullied because of being Indigenous. Yes, and what um, came to light last year was a 12-year-old girl who left a suicide note, um, a 12-year-old Aboriginal girl, and she said, maybe when I'm gone, the racism will stop. So it's very well known what the issues are, the despair in a lot of our Aboriginal communities. Because of the impacts of invasion and genocide and the discriminatory laws under the race power laws here in Australia that still exist, um, we have the highest incarceration rate. African-American people had the highest incarceration rate up until just recently when Indigenous Australians now overtake the African-American population. So even though we only make up 3% of the population in this country, there are prisons and juvenile detention centres 100% occupied by Aboriginal youth and Aboriginal male and female prisoners. I'm dumbfounded. I'm speechless. So yeah. when... If I understood you correctly, when you went live, when you filmed that particular incident, when Quaden was saying, kill me, somebody kill me, it uncovered, it was a catalyst for uncovering many other, many other problems, many indigenous children who are committing suicide. So in a way, it was terrible to see, but Perhaps you start a you've started a movement towards something that can bring respite and you can do something about the actual bullying. Definitely. And that, like you said, you know, the silver lining, there's always a positive to be drawn out of the negative. And it has been a blessing in disguise, as difficult as it's been to be able to, um, you know, go public over something so sensitive. If we hadn't have if I didn't go live, then nothing would have changed. He'd still be experiencing things that were going on at school and it would still be a very self-destructive cycle that we would be continuing. Just by that video, it has uncovered a lot of systemic racism in this country. Statistics, a lot of people are now aware of what's really going on in this country. Yeah, it's been very empowering to see mm. that just by one story, how much it has uncovered. It's not just about one child that got bullied. There's so many underlying issues that led to that one point in time when we went live with that video. What inspired you to go live that day? Frustration. I was just over it, you know. Like, I wanted people to see this is how it's affecting and how do we know if our children are being bullied or if they are the ones that are displaying these behaviours at school. A lot of the times parents don't know. And I just felt the need out of despair. You know, I just wanted people to see that this is our life. This is our reality. 
and it's not improving. The anti-bullying campaigns and a lot of the you know, programs in schools obviously isn't working because the suicide rates are increasing as we speak. To think that there are children now that are self-harming and wishing they were no longer here is why we continue to speak up about this and no, no longer suffer in silence. Wow. What is Team Quaden? Is it a movement you started? What is it all about? You're yeah, wearing a so, T-shirt. I'd love people to be able to see that because I'm going to publish this on YouTube. So this Team yeah, Quaden. So Team Quaden established in 2010, his year of birth, regardless of what some people may think. Apparently he's an 18-year-old man or a 32-year-old actor. Um, a 32-year-old <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, apparently he's a 32-year-old actor. <laughs> a lot of oh, yes. conspiracy theories, a lot yes. of fake news circulating. And I think with, um, in light of what's going on in the world at the moment, there's a lot of people at home bored with nothing better to do. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of fake news that has been obviously very easy to debunk a lot of the myths because our life is an open book. We've got nothing to hide. And you can Google us and see our documentaries from the very first brain surgery that Quaden had when he was four years old. So all of our information is public from the day he was born. My sister uploaded a photo of him with his date of birth. So when um, Quaden was three years old, we started noticing the very negative attention in public, unfortunately. So out of frustration, again, I started a campaign called Stand Tall for Dwarfism. And at that time, I just wanted to educate people because Australia is so far behind. Whereas if you look at America and England and other places around the world, other developed countries, they've got um, the LPA, Little People's Association of America, as well as England. And in Australia, there is very little dwarfism awareness. So I just felt the need out of frustration to share our story, share our journey so that people can see what it's like. And out of that came the merchandise. So I think I was trying to do way too much as a frustrated single mum of a child with achondroplasia dwarfism, sometimes I think I was doing more harm than good because I was just so desperate. I just wanted, you know, the, the comments to stop. Even the cyberbullying from when I first started to share our journey, a lot of the, the hate that was coming through from, you know, the media attention that we were getting at the time of his first documentary that covered the brain surgery. And to me, that's a very... Um, it was an educational tool for people to understand mm -hmm. what exactly achondroplasia dwarfism is. He's just fallen asleep. <laughs> so this is sleep apnea because he has severe obstructive sleep apnea. He will just literally fall asleep and snore at any given time. Um, That's okay. Even midway. So Can you? Even mid <laughs> could you walk me through? some of, of the behind-the-scenes operations and all the complications so that people can understand. Yeah. It's not, you know, I, we, I, I, want to create so, a, I want to create a sensitivity towards it or an awareness. Sure. Yes, definitely. Thank you. So Quaden's primary diagnosis at three days old, he was diagnosed with achondroplasia dwarfism. I was a 29-year-old mother of two at the time. And at the time of the... Um, diagnosis, Quaden Senior, my um, Quaden's father and my twin daughters were in the room when I got handed two pieces of paper 
with achondroplasia on it. And that was how we received the diagnosis. That sent me into a huge um, depression, denial, shock, because I'd never heard of that word, nor have I met anyone with that condition at that time. So within our 3% population of the Indigenous community that we belong to in Australia, I'd never come across it. So there was no one for me to reach out to, to ask, like, what does this mean? Um, and then at three years old, Quaden started developing some abnormal brain activity. He had seven teeth removed because of the overcrowding. So achondroplasia is the most common form of dwarfism. It's a random genetic mutation at conception. So 80% of children um, are born to average height parents. So anyone can have a child with any, any kind of different abilities, I guess. People have many different names. To be politically correct, you know, there's thousands of different disabilities. So Quaden um, is the only child or only person in our whole family that has achondroplasia dwarfism. And from the age of three, we started noticing um, when he started walking. So the milestones were delayed, but his intelligence is far above average. So I definitely think that he um, overcompensates in areas. He may be short in height, but he definitely makes up for it in other areas and on his fourth birthday actually we received the MRI results of his brain that showed decompression um, of his brain stem and spinal cord so he was losing um, sensation in his arms and legs he was falling over a lot and he just wasn't himself so I knew something was wrong we took him into hospital and they did the MRI and we got the news back on his fourth birthday and not long after um, about five years ago now he had the decompression surgery of the spinal cord and brain stem and that was the first major operation and probably the most scariest time the, 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 the worst time in my life yeah so the first major life-saving surgery when yeah. Clayton was four years old was definitely the scariest point um, in his life to know the risks involved um was really daunting but the support of my family my dad was alive at that time and my twin daughters Quaden's father was in prison at the time so it was quite I felt like you know I was alone facing this but I still had amazing family support but at the end of the day you know, it was just me and Quaden in hospital um for up to a month at a time at times so that was the first major operation um a week after the brain surgery he had adenoids and adenoids to open up the airwaves and mm -hmm. the tonsils out mm -hmm. and also tubes inserted in his ears to remove the fluid so he's still hearing impaired in his right ear so he's had five operations on his ears he's had an ICP monitor installed in his brain he's had the brain stem and spinal cord decompression surgery he's had seven teeth removed adenoids and grommets out um, and tonsils out. So a lot of those are quite standard procedures for people born with achondroplasia, but then it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So we've met people with achondroplasia that have never had surgery in their life and they live to be fully healthy, functioning human beings with amazing lives that are excelling in, in life. And I think if you see a lot of the shows on TV, you'll see amazing people um, in the dwarfism community around the world that are living their best life. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Quaden mm -hmm. has got so much strength and he's bounced back. The resilience that I see in such a young child and the lessons that I've learnt and the world 
you know, has learned from such a young child, I think has been remarkable. It's been a very powerful testimony in itself. Can you talk to me about the, can you talk to me about the lessons that you've learned? Oh man, just I was I think I was quite judgmental. Um, I was very self-conscious, and now I'm aware that that rubs off onto onto anyone. And having twin daughters, very competitive being twins, one's a bigger twin, one's a smaller twin, one's a model, one's a tomboy. So they're very, very opposite. And I have to constantly remind them when they say, you know, mum, do, do I look fat in this or does it? I say, listen, Quayden has a condition where he's not able to change the way he looks. So I think it would be very, we need to be more mindful of what we say because he now has a complex. He absolutely hates his diagnosis. He still has not come to terms with it. He hates the fact that he's not going to grow up to be big and tall and strong and play football. Um, like his father and his older brother, they play, um, you know, at a high level. So we come from a very athletic family. So having a child with a physical, a noticeable disability has a lot of limitations. And it's taught us to really appreciate the little things in life and not to complain about the way we look or, you know, the things that we can't do or don't have, because we've realised that there are so many limitations. There are so many things that Clayton will never be able to do. You know, most little boys want to grow up to be footballers. And I've explained to Clayton, I won't sugarcoat it and say, you know, yeah, that, that's beautiful. You know, you'll, you'll be able to do that, son. I've let him know. There mm. are no people with dwarfism that play in the NBA or play in the NFL. So you are destined for much bigger and better things. Sports <laughs> is great, but it's not the be all or end all. Yeah. So it's, it's opened our eyes and our hearts to a whole new world that we would never have known about, um, you know, unless we had this experience with Quaden. So he's definitely taught us unconditional love and acceptance and mm. to be kinder to ourselves and to each other. Yeah, That's, this is so amazing. What we learn when we are uh, in brackets or in inverted commas afflicted with something or we think we're afflicted with something because I try to degay myself I'm a lesbian woman, I'm 53 and I desperately tried to stop being that and at what it taught me the lesson it gave me is to be compassionate one towards myself and then to extend that compassion and forgiveness and uh, to others um, definitely what has the experience of of the live video what have you learned from that 99 percent of the response has been very supportive um and then there's always going to be you know not everyone's going to agree and that's fine mm. it's taught me that it's given me much deeper understanding and perspective of the way people receive that and I actually apologize for the triggers because that for me was a spontaneous moment out of frustration that I shared because I was just sick of it. I wanted something to be done. And you could hear the despair in both of our voices at the time of that live video. Quaden mm -hmm. was not feeling heard, was not feeling listened to. And he actually called out some of the staff at that school because he felt like he wasn't being heard or being listened to because it was an ongoing situation. And I guess 
the response now, we've not had one person come up to us in public and abuse us or um, say anything negative. So I think the majority of the world saw that video for what it really was. It was a plea for help and that plea for help has been answered. We've now been able to pay it forward and help several other families, um, especially with the donations that um, are hopefully with COVID, it's actually put a, a hold on everything, but hopefully those funds will be able to be transferred from the American GoFundMe accounts into the donation, um, the charities that we've chosen. What to do be you mean it's been put on hold? Sorry. Oh, there's been so, I think the world has been on hold and the delays um, involved with the virus. Oh, so okay. That's what's been yeah, on hold. So I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, so there's still no funds being transferred. We have not received any monetary gain from this. And I guess the, the call that Brad Williams, the comedian with the same condition as Quaden, when he saw that video, he saw something in that that resonated with him, something that he has experienced. And many other people, not just people with dwarfism or people of different um, ethnic backgrounds, people often you know, especially today in today's society, the suicide rate, it does not discriminate, you know, abuse or addiction, bullying, um, a lot of these behaviours, they don't discriminate and a lot of people um, related to that. So when he started the GoFundMe, he asked for my permission and I was saying no and Quaden saying, yes, mum, please, I've always wanted to go to Disneyland. So mm. we agreed and he asked for, you know, a $10,000 GoFundMe. When it went up to, you know, like almost half a million US dollars, it was so overwhelming and I felt very uncomfortable because I, we grew up in Redfern, which is an Aboriginal community here in Sydney, mm -hmm. from, very humble beginning, from very humble beginnings, you know, and I'm a single mum. We don't own our own home or drive a fancy car or have private health insurance. So to see the generosity of strangers that just wanted to help a child um, have fun it was really overwhelming mm -hmm. and then I started thinking about the bigger picture and I didn't want people to see that this is a reward for one child like how is that going to help the whole anti-bullying campaign how is that helping reduce the suicide rates so I had a good think about it mm -hmm. and I spoke to Quaid and I said what would you like this money to do? And he's always had a heart for helping homeless people and people less fortunate. So we spoke about what we wanted and we came up with the decision that we would like to donate that money to charity to be able to help as many people as possible not feel like that, to be able to offer support for family, especially children mm -hmm. um, that are feeling alone. And a lot of the times it's been too late, you know, and I know that there are families that have reached out that have lost their children. And I know that my son is still alive because he's, we, we spoke up. We had to swallow our pride and ask for help. And that was really hard because I'm a very proud, stubborn, strong, independent Aboriginal woman. And I don't like asking for help. <laughs> I've done it by myself for a very long time. You know, my parents and grandparents and godparents are, are all passed away. So it's taught me to be strong, to be independent and to be resilient. Yeah. So that um, generosity, the outpouring of love and support from... That was amazing. People really like yourself, you know, yeah, that just reached out because it touched people's hearts. So it was just, it's still very overwhelming. And what, yeah, I can imagine. I'm, I'm just, what about a foundation for 
um, people with, I can't pronounce the, the, the medical word. Sorry, I'm really bad with names. Um, no, that's okay. What, what about starting a foundation to help people um, with this disability? Because, of course, yes. I want to help the homeless. Don't get me wrong. But I think yeah. you're, you're a powerful woman. You are courageous. You're passionate. You have a strong message to share. And I'm sure that some of that money, I mean, I'm just, this is me being me thinking out aloud, that money, you could start a foundation and, and spread the love in that foundation to give more awareness of, listen, my son has been having so many operations, been discriminated again, and I'm sure there are people out there like you who could benefit from some money, from some sort of place where we can get together, connections, because in communities then, we of empower course. one another, we give each other courage, we, people get together and we help each other, you know, so I know, Definitely. that's you thinking out there. Yeah, yeah, with the um the donations, I chose four charities, and one ah, okay. of them is one of them is the um non for profit that we established here in Brisbane for uh, it's called Dwarfism Awareness Australia. So that's where we will be able to continue to do very important work to help ah, okay. support other children and families um within the dwarfism community. So yeah, it's going to be great to see how far spread. You know, I've chosen an Aboriginal healing centre. I've chosen. Um, Balanu, there's lots of four different um, charities around Australia that we felt would far benefit because I think it's important not to play the victim mentality and I think that's what yeah. people were seeing. Like, poor me, a kid got bullied, boo-hoo, let's send him to Disneyland. That's not yeah. going to solve the problem. Although it was a very beautiful gesture and we did accept that, um, that offer at first, but, you know, I just thought I don't want the wrong message getting out. I don't want people to see that He's going to be rewarded just for being bullied. There are millions of children that are being, you know, bullied or discriminated or, or um, intimidated, any of these behaviours. And I'm very cautious because with a lot of the resilience coaching that we've received from Brooks Gibbs in America, he's given us a whole new light on using other words rather than bullying because what that does is it shifts the blame on a child that's, the majority of the time is innocent. Yes. No children goes to school and intentionally tries to make a child take their life. So I'm very cautious because I don't want to label children as bullies. I just think if we can approach it differently and have more awareness around these alarming behaviours, how do we deal with the children that are displaying these behaviours and how, how do we deal with children that are on the receiving end, like Quaid and that have, um, you know, been susceptible to this behavior for, for many years, in fact. So I think what I would love ultimately to see out of all of this is a whole new approach because mm -hmm. we all know that the anti-bullying campaigns, while they're great, they may raise awareness, but the statistics aren't improving. So I think that is proof in itself that we need to come at it another angle. Actually, the word anti doesn't inspire, let's make it better. Exactly. So I'm with you. We're on the same page. And um, the, the perpetrator is usually acting out of innocence and out of perhaps something that is learned. Exactly. Learned behavior. Yeah. I, and I really believe that children, even though sometimes 
their behavior is, is cruel. I, I think at heart, they want to be loved, they want to love. Yeah, you've touched upon so many subjects and I didn't write down any notes. You've said, you've <laughs> shared so much, but you've given us so much gold, Yaraka. Oh, thank you, Diane. Yes, Appreciate you have. That. I think we can come to a close if it feels good, right, for you, unless there's something more you want to add. I'm interested in knowing also, look at him. Sorry? I'm interested <laughs> in knowing how it impacted him now, how he is, what his um, attitude towards life is now after that incident. Well, with um, ongoing intense therapy, so today we went to a family counselling session last week. He had a psychiatrist appointment. Um, Brooks Gibbs still does video calls for resilience coaching. And he's we've all learnt more valuable tools on how to deal with this better because the reality is it's going to happen again and again and again. And we can never um, rid the world of bullying, just like the war on drugs or crime or anything like that anti-drug anti-crime anti-bullying it's not working so we need to um, learn how do we deal with it in a better way mm -hmm. and now we just have to raise our children to be more resilient so when someone calls him a midget he's going to say yeah so what all good yeah i'm a midget yeah. big deal and we do role plays now and he actually tells me mum call me a midget call me a baby call me big head like all the names that he hates that he was being called at school and it's difficult for me to do it because I'm his mum and I'm so sensitive and I feel things, you know, so deep and it doesn't affect him anymore. Like it's, it's been about three months of intense therapy. So on February 19, um, that video went viral and we straight away went into protective mode. You know, we need to equip ourselves with the tools to be able to deal with this better because you know, it, it's his reality, unfortunately. Every single day, we still get the looks in public. Most of the time now, people know who he is, so that's a positive. But mm. I tell you what's the most, most, the thing that he really is disturbed by is people taking his photo and recording him in public. Pretty much every single day that we're out, um, the unauthorised photos and recordings of a child is quite alarming that people think that they can just do that. And, you know, I have to accept responsibility for that because it was my decision to go public so I just have to tell him get used to it you know that people are going to do that they're going to take your photos and take videos but I've had to get him a phone now and I said because if we're shopping I'm not watching everyone to, I'm not aware of it so I said yeah. if you see anyone do it you start recording and take photos and see how they yeah. like it and yeah. he's been doing that in the shopping centers and they automatically stop good so good. we're learning learning Great. different ways of dealing with things so yeah. it's been a huge learning curve but a huge um wake up call and a huge reality check to to be able to bounce back and to be able to i lost out of you i lost you so that people to be, can to be able to bounce back yeah to be able to bounce back from you know a negative experience i think that's the message that we want to get across for people to see that yes he has experienced some very difficult, challenging times in his life, but it has been very, very much character building and we've all strengthened from it. We still have our good and bad days like everyone. We're only human, but we have learned so much and we have strengthened as a family and as a community. 
and it has brought so many people around the world together and it's reminded us to be kinder to people you know the compassion mm. and i think what i'd love to touch on um lastly is the statement that i read on your page permission to be yourself and for me that's been huge to accept myself for who i am so that i can teach my son to accept yourself for exactly who you are you don't need to feel like you're not good enough because i felt like that most of my life like i just wasn't good enough i've always felt different and that's our superpower so i let him know now you know achondroplasia is your superpower and you are going to change the world we're going to make this world a better place by living by example and sharing our story because sometimes that's all we've got is our story and as humans that's how we connect yeah no i move it's, a bit <laughs> he's snoring so loud <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, so thank you. Now I'm really touched. I have nothing to say. I'm really, Erica. Thank you. You've touched on so many wonderful points. So many. We are naturally resilient. We just don't know it until we are faced with situations where we realize how powerful we are. Thank you. Thank you for your Definitely. time. I'm no, sure thank you for the movement. No problem at all. Happy birthday and thank you for the very important work that you do in, you know, sharing your story because it helps encourage and inspire other people to do the same. So I'm glad we're on the same page and people, things are aligning. So it's good to be able to connect with like-minded people. So thank you, Diane. Thank you for watching. If you've enjoyed this episode, May I encourage you to share it? And if you want to listen to any past episodes, kindly go to my website, butv.com. You can also subscribe to receive any future episodes. Bye for now.